Hey there, guys, and welcome into Maroon and Bold. I'm your host and sports editor, Austin Chastain, alongside in the Zoom call with staff reporter Christian Boer. Christian, I feel like it's been a minute, but how are things going, man? I mean, we're closing in on the end of the semester, closing in on football season, which we'll obviously obviously get to here in a little bit. But how are things going for you, man? Pretty solid, man. And, you know, just trying to stay on top of everything. You know, there's so much going on right now in terms of like, well, we've passed the midterm stage, but now it's like you're getting into term papers and things like that. And it's just like a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, as long as you keep track of everything going on, it's not that bad. It's just a matter of getting everything done, honestly. Yeah, the keeping keeping track of things that, um, yeah, that uh, that's that's that's. That's a problem. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that for sure. But, hey, man, glad things are going well. Um, shoot, I guess let's just jump right into it, bro. Uh, football season is almost among us at Central Michigan throughout the Mid-American Conference. Uh, the Chippewas, actually, it was just announced that the Chippewas will start the season on November 4th at 7 p.m. on ESPN, right over here in Kelly Short Stadium against the Ohio Bobcats and you know we're on we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna see some football on on the mothership Christian um you know what what kind of excitement do you think that's gonna bring and you know what I mean we're almost there man it's it's we're closing in like I said we're like what two weeks away from kickoff now what you know how excited how what kind of excitement do you think we're starting to feel? I mean, I think it's kind of cool, you know, to get this close. It's been what seems like a whirlwind. It seems like it's been an eternity since the last time we've seen Central Michigan football, which I guess in a way it kind of has. Uh, but it's a shame that, you know, with everything going on, that you're not going to get fans in the stands on that Wednesday night because, I mean, that would be a super cool environment. You know, these two teams were supposed to square off, you know, right around this time if you look at the schedule, you know, these guys were supposed to – take each other on, on, you know, a similar Wednesday night type atmosphere in Kelly Shorts. So in a way, it hasn't really changed. It's just a matter of now it's a six-game schedule instead of 12, and now you're playing without fans. So there's certainly going to be plenty of excitement, and I think a lot of people within campus are excited about it. It's just a shame that they're not going to be able to go, and that's why I think where we are, it's really a big privilege, and I'm not going to – I know I'm not going to take it lightly. We're going to put out some sweet content. Uh, regardless of how the game goes, we're going to have plenty of stories out. Um, and so, yeah, just to, just a chance to get back to doing what we do, you know, as, a, as, as journalists and as writers. And, you know, whereas looking back, you know, in hindsight, a month or so ago, we didn't know we were going to have any sort of opportunities like this at all. Now to get the chance to uh, actually go and cover a football game is, while it was unbelievable a month ago, it's now super exciting and I can't wait for it. Man, I I'm right there with you. It's it's definitely it's definitely exciting, and it's definitely recognized that there is, you know, like you said, there's a there's a privilege that we we're, that we're going to be able to have to bring the action to to you guys. Obviously, we're going to all see it on TV. Well, you guys are all going to see it on TV, um, on stream, on listen to it on the radio. Uh, however, however you get your Chippewa football, but yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, I'm I'm excited to get back to doing what we do. Um, man, it's I think it's been since March since we've seen any kind of Chippewa athletics, any kind of Chippewa sports in action. So, um, no, it's uh, that was a a dumbass statement for me. Excuse me on that. It has been March since we've seen any Chippewas in action. So, um, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely exciting, and I just I hope that the uh, campus community and Mount Pleasant community can get excited about about football over here over there in Kelly Short Stadium it's it's going to be a lot of fun uh it's going to be a whirlwind of a sprint and like Christian said I mean stick stick close to us at cm-life.com I'll plug all the socials later on but um as I always do but stick with us real close because you know we'll we have we have great ideas to bring all kinds of content for you guys uh, to read up and know know this football team, and it's going to be really exciting for everybody. Kind of focusing on the field, you know, it seems like 
the there's a there's uh, I guess there are some compliance questions with David Moore. I can't seem to really get a straight answer. So I you know I I wish there was something I could tell you guys um, in terms of David Moore, and I'm still trying to search for an answer. Um, but as I've kind of begun to understand it, is that his suspension was over on October seventh. CMU has then has to go through the compliance office and file, I guess, terms of for reinstatement. I'm not, I don't know exactly how all of that works. I'm st- like I said, I'm still trying to figure all that out. Um, but as far as I know, CMU has filed all that paperwork that's needed. And now it's just up to the NCAA and God knows how long that's going to take. I mean, it, it took him forever to figure out. Um, his David Moore's appeal process that was uh, a train wreck. So, um, you know, it, obviously, as as soon as as we learned something about David Moore's status and his situation, we'll bring that to you guys. But don't even worry about it because I mean that's no no don't. <laughs> so with that said, we don't know if David Moore is going to be able to play day one. As it you know, has, has turned out, played out. I mean, we would guess, figure a guess that David Moore w- would be the starter yes. if he's able to play. So with it looking like he won't be able to play because we don't know if his suspension is actually over or not, um, if he's going to be able to be reinstated in time. Christian, you have done a little digging and you've tell me tell me what you know about the quarterback situation with the Chippewas. Well, you know, I think that you know there's some some rumbling going on that maybe they're preparing to play without David Moore. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I think that if the the season were to start today, obviously with no word on whether he can or can't play, you've got to go with a different option. And I think given the circumstances, that other option would be Daniel Richardson. I think that, you know, he, he was on the Coach Mack show. We're recording this on Friday, so it would have been last night. And it sounds like Jim McElwain's awfully high on Daniel. Um, obviously, they they go way back. Their connections when, when Jim was at Florida and when Daniel was playing high school football over there. And then I've also talked to Oliver Bozeman, who's Daniel's quarterback coach, and had a pretty good conversation with him. And it was just basically – um, that, that Daniel's ready. He's ready to do this. Um, he kind of needed a little bit of seasoning when he came to Mount Pleasant and he enrolled early. But now that he's been in the system for 18 or so months, it's looking like go time for him. And so if that domino falls, it's probably going to be Daniel Richardson behind center should David Moore not be able to play. And even if David Moore is good to go, I think there's still a chance that you ha- you see – Jim Macklin put together a package for, for Daniel and uh, maybe just give him the opportunity to kind of cut it loose and build some confidence, you know, maybe in a, you know, late in the first quarter, if you're up a touchdown looking for more, maybe you go to that and you turn to Daniel and let him cut it loose or let him throw the ball around. And um, I think that you're going to see Ty Brock as well. And uh, when we last talked to Jim McElwain, he mentioned that Ty brings some, some elements to the offense that, they kind of had in Tommy Lazaro last year. Well, I don't think Ty Brock is maybe as physical of a runner as Tommy was last year. Um, watching some of his tape at Sam Houston State when, you know, obviously dealt with a couple of leg injuries and lower leg ankle type stuff. But when he wasn't hampered by injuries, which by all means, it sounds like he's crystal clear, good to go now. Um, it seems as though Ty Brock pretty pretty agile, can move really well. So don't be surprised if you see that same typical uh, third down type package for Central Michigan with Ty Brock that they had with Tommy Lazaro last year. And I know a lot of the guys like Ty, you know, he moved in here in the summer. or Sorry, he missed out on the summer. He moved in here early fall. And so he's a little bit behind in terms of the playbook. But, you know, from the locker room standpoint, it sounds like everybody really likes him. And then obviously on the field bringing that element, that dual threat. As to where Richardson's more of just a pocket passer type guy, uh, having that mobility to come in on a third and short – would be really interesting. And so I think that there's a really interesting dynamic with with Moore, Richardson, and Brock. And I think it all kind of depends on how this David Moore shakes out. And so 
you know, be ready for some big news in a couple of weeks, regardless of which way it goes. Because, you know, and you, you mentioned it, man, but I don't really see how this isn't just a cut and dry year long suspension because there were no there were no games attached to it. Even before the COVID hit, it wasn't a, a 12 gamer or a you know six game suspension. No, it was just one year. And so for me, that seems pretty cut and dry. And so I really obviously I guess there's a, a process that you have to to quote unquote file for reinstatement, which again, I mean, it's not like you've been exiled. So I don't really know what that's all about. But yeah, apparently this is a little bit bigger of an issue than we had initially anticipated. Yeah, and I'll 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 add, you know, just a little bit to the Richardson and, and Brock's. I got a quick thought on that, but like it seems and I don't fault CMU for not not having an answer. I mean, right. It it seems like CMU's done everything it needs to do to get more back onto the field, but you're right. It should just be cut and dry, but honestly, I'm just going to say the NCAA is bullshit. Okay. (laughs) Like there are so many stipulations and so much garbage. Like the NCAA is so corrupt and it, it is, you know, from somebody that covers the team and I've heard from fans, it is frustrating because obviously, you know, the power five gets all the attention. Like Justin Fields transfers from Georgia to Ohio state. Oh, needs a transfer. Yeah. Boom. Got it. Yeah. Maybe. And it's all over the place in basketball too. Oh my God. Like, yes. I would be incredibly interested to see what would happen if central Michigan got a guy who transferred after a year and needed to apply for a waiver. Now it sounds like they're going to do the blanket waiver thing now where everybody gets the, the one-time transfer. But at the same time, I would love to see how long it takes for a waiver to get cleared at the mid-major central Michigan level, as opposed to where a guy like, you know, Colin Castleton in Michigan who played two years and now he's transferring to Florida, he gets a waiver and, you know, on the surface level, now obviously we don't know what was going on behind the scenes, But on the surface level, this is just a dude who's transferring out of the program because he's buried on the depth chart. I mean, this is, we don't, again, we don't know everything, but, and it's, you see that all over in college basketball and college football. Dude's not going to play Justin Fields. Dude's not going to play at Georgia. Gets beat out by Jake Fromm, which in hindsight, what was Georgia thinking? But Justin Fields gets beat out, goes to Ohio State, bang, transfer waiver. Shea Patterson goes to, now, that was a little bit of a different situation because they had the, the postseason ban and all that. But still, boom, transfer waiver. And so now you've got a suspension that should just be, you know, he set his one year. He did his thing. Now, what's next? And apparently, nobody really knows. And it was just like when Brian Edwards transferred here last year and they applied for a waiver to get him to play. And they find out week two or week three that he's not able to play. It's like, no kidding. He's not going to play. Why not save the year of eligibility anyway? But that's a decision that needs to be made before week one so that these coaches and these players can have some sort of transparency. I mean, come on. I know. And that, and that's the key word transparency. I mean, they, every, you know, everyone asks journalists and institutions to be transparent. The NCAA just isn't. It seems like the NCAA outside of the power five doesn't really give a shit. As I said before, it's frustrating. And that's exactly it. It's all about the cash. I get it. You know what? Your business, I get it. But you're also, if, if you're, if your mission is to do right by and to, to do right by and help out student athletes actually do that. How about you go ahead and stick to that? Mm-hmm. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, dude. I, I won't keep ranting about it, but it's 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 really frustrating. <laughs> and uh, and again, I don't fault CMU at all. It seems like no, CMU's doing everything. All. Seems like CMU's doing everything that it needs to do. It seems like David Moore's done everything that he needs to do. Now it's just on the NCAA and good luck getting an answer out of those guys. Yeah, no Whatever. Kidding. So as I said before, I, I do have a quick thought on the on the actual on the field, on the, <laughs> the actual dynamic. Um, let's just, okay. Let's just pretend like I, I got two scenarios. Let's pretend one. So scenario one is that David Moore gets cleared and he's good to play. You could, I think you could argue that you might see a three quarterback dynamic 
which would be a complete dumpster fire, but it could also work out really well. So, I mean, more can more can sling the rock, man. I mean, he, yes, he can. He's a, he, I mean, I, I would think he is day one starter, as I said before. Absolutely. Richardson can, can throw the ball pretty well. And like you said, he's a pocket passer, but he can also scramble around. He's got a pretty good arm. Yeah. He can make plays. Yeah. He can make plays a little bit, a little bit shorter than I think the average quarterback. And that's fine. Oh yeah. He can go out and make plays and that's the important part. Mm -hmm. And then you have Ty Brock who, you know, I mean, he can, he can throw the ball around pretty well, but he seems like he's, almost like a Tommy Lazaro 2.0. Yes. That he, like you said, he, he can, he can run over people. He can, he can run the ball well. And it's, and it looks like he can sling the rock too. So. Oh yeah. He's got a good arm too. So you could, you could easily argue that there would be a three quarterback dynamic. Um, And then they're also talking about a a wildcat form, wildcat package, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Um. So that that part of it in the scenario too is you Daniel Richardson your starter third down comes in third and short throw Ty Brock out there he'll go get you the five yards that you need move the chains and just keep on trucking right yeah the one thing I will say is that if you get a three quarterback system and then you run the wildcat too it kind of becomes like a Frankenstein Frankenstein monster type just patch everything together and I don't think that's necessarily a great idea now. Here's why you get you kind of need to get into a rhythm at some point to the point where you're not just yanking guys and shuffling. This isn't baseball. You can't just go to the bullpen and then I mean, in a way, it's better than baseball because you can go to the bullpen and then come back in with your starter. But at the same time, like, you know, doing things situationally works at times. Like if you need to run the clock down late and, you know, you got about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you can have Ty Brock come in and just scoot around and run the read option with Kobe Lewis and occasionally, you know, RPO thrown into Corey Sullivan or something like that. That works. But when you're going one drive, David Moore, and then you start David Moore on the next drive, and then you go Ty Brock, and then you go with Daniel Richardson, and pretty soon you've got three guys taking snaps on the drive, and then, oh, we're in the red zone. Let's get Khalil Pippleton in the Wildcat. It's like you're going to have to at some point get in the rhythm. Now, the one – one school has proved me wrong. You know, if you're you're bored on Thursday nights or Saturday afternoons, you need to find an Arkansas State game. Shout out George Stoya, absolute legend. But here's the thing. They have run that two-quarterback system almost flawlessly. I mean, my goodness, Stoya wrote a story, and he's writing for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you don't uh, read their stuff, check it out, um, because George does a lot of good things over there. But – he wrote the story about how the two quarterback system. And if you combine the two quarterback stats, they're as good as Trevor Lawrence. Now you tell me what in the world, like that's just two guys that are, you know, combined. They're doing what's best for the team. And it's like, okay, when it's my turn, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. And when it's your turn, you bet your ass, I'm going to be the first guy on the field rooting for you. And I think that central's kind of got that dynamic within their quarterback room. But I think throwing three guys out there, man, it's just hard to develop any sort of a rhythm. And so I think for that case, you might see a package for Richardson. You know, maybe, like I said, he can just come in and sling it around for a drive. But at the same time, and also pointing out that there could be a much shorter leash on whoever the day one starter is because of the depth in this quarterback. David Moore did a heck of a job in his four games last year. But, you know, you take a look at the numbers. The completion percentage, not great. Turn the ball over four times. Well, no, four interceptions. He turned the ball over, you know, with fumbles and things like that. So the leash might be a little shorter. Not doubting David Moore's arm talent. You know, the dude's got a cannon. Um, but as far as, you know, turning the ball over, there might not be a ton of room for error, you know, in that quarterback room, which in my opinion is good because it brings out the best in everybody. And so being able to have that depth within your quarterback room, I think is an asset, especially when you've got so many skill position playmakers coming back and there's guys under the radar like Dallas Dixon and Lou Nichols that people don't really know about that could come in and have huge years. So having all of this depth at quarterback is just going to build to what should be what should be a successful season. 
Yeah, and I mean, you just mentioned it too. I mean, and we'll kind of touch on the offense as a whole, but I mean, there is so much depth pretty much everywhere. The one spot is uh, it, well, I would argue that it was the most important position last year, but this year, I don't think it's going to be at tight end. Cause I mean, you have, yeah. you have a gigantic human being and, and Tony Poljan, what six, what was what he? Six, seven, six, eight, six, seven. He's a big dude. You throw anywhere around him. He's going to go catch it. Granted. He did have a little bit of a problem with fumbles last year, a little bit of a problem. Um, so, you know, and he's gone, he's at, at Virginia. He's playing in the ACC, at Virginia. Yikes. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I don't think, I don't think tight ends are going to be as important this year um, as they were last year. Um, I mean, yeah. Joel Wilson and Austin Hargett are both back. Um, but I don't know how much, I don't know how much, you know, offensive coordinator, Charlie Fry and McElwain are going to use that tight end position yeah. Because they have all that depth at quarterback, they yeah. have all that depth at wide receiver, at running back. You're going to see, and you know what? Let's get to it. The we kind of alluded to it earlier, but the the wildcat formation with Khalil Pimpleton and Darius Bracy as the guys that have emerged that they're going to take some snaps. Um, you know, you, you asked Pimpleton about it. Well, like you said, we're recording this on, on Friday, so we talked to players yesterday on Thursday. Uh, you, you asked Pimpleton about it, and uh, he, he had a pretty big smile on his face when, when you mentioned that yeah. uh, he was going to be taking some snaps, as he did in high school. Yeah, so. right. And that was part of my, my question was, you know, self – you know, Khalil's a real humble guy from, from what we've been able to talk to him and, and things like that. And that's kind of my impression of him. But, you know, I, I kind of had a little poke him a little bit and just say, you know, kind of selfishly as a former high school quarterback to be able to play there at college, you know, what, how does it feel, man? And he just there, that's when the smile came out. And, you know, there is, there is a lot of trust that comes in, comes with playing quarterback, even if it is just for a player or two. Um, and Khalil seems like he's ready. And obviously from a playmaking standpoint, absolutely. I don't expect him to, pivot, you know, three-step drop, throw the ball 30 yards down the field. But, you know, you're going to see a lot of him and um, Kobe Lewis or maybe they send a receiver in fly motion to kind of, you know, read the defense. He's going to be in a lot of read option, you know, midline read touch stuff. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things they do with him. And sounds like Darius Bracey was a pretty good high school quarterback in, uh, in Alabama, you know, accounting for over 2,000 yards as a senior. That, I mean – he plays defensive back, and if you didn't really know his story, you'd have never known that he was such a good offensive player in high school. So uh, that'll be interesting to see as well. But, you know, going back to what you said about the tight ends and um, kind of doing a little bit of, of digging within the roster, and it looks like they've changed Hunter Butchkowski and Oakley Lavalle. They're both now playing. They're both listed as tight ends, but they're going to be doing the same thing. I mean, I don't think they'll be catching passes. I know. I think – Similar to what they did in running situations where late, especially late in the year, when they brought out Butchkowski um, to, to throw a block, he's going to be doing the same thing, just with two different letters next to his name on the roster and in the program. So I can't really, I only think that they'll um, necessarily bring like a Joel Wilson in tight like they did with Tony, just because I don't think they want to use Joel so much as a blocker. So in those situations, you'll see Butchkowski or Oakley Lavalle lined up in tight as that extra blocker. But anytime they want to go to a passing situation, I think you're going to see a lot of four wide type stuff. And um, I don't think they're going to be using a traditional quote unquote tight end who lines up on the line, you know, hand in the dirt and then runs, you know, routes. I don't think there's necessarily going to be that. I think you're going to see a lot of four receiver looks. Um, I know they're pretty high on Dallas Dixon, and, you know, Keontae Nixon's a guy who we really haven't seen much out of, but it sounds like he's got pretty good potential as well. So, like you said, man, a lot of weapons within that offense, and especially, you know, so many guys you can throw behind center, which, I mean, could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hand in the dirt, more like turf pellets, but, you know, yeah, rubber pellets, true. you know. And no, true. but uh, <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you guys had to hear that. Um 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could see a really explosive offense. I mean, last year's offense was was pretty damn good. I mean, that team was pretty balanced last year. The offense was pretty pretty stout. The defense, especially the rushing defense, was pretty formidable. And I mean, they didn't really lose a whole ton. Um, I mean, obviously, offensively, they lost Jonathan Ward um, at running back. I mean, he was a thousand yard rusher twice. Um, so, I mean, you, you lose him, but you also still have Kobe Lewis. And you, and you had mentioned before, you, you have a guy like Lou Nichols. I mean, you could still see that kind of that two running back look that they had even last year might be a little bit of a different dynamic, but um, I've heard, I've heard uh, Kobe Lewis has put on, put on some muscle. Yes. I mean, he, he was Jonathan Ward last year was a pretty good running back. I mean, he was, he was, he was shifty. He was quick. um, And he could run over people if he needed Kobe Lewis. He was more of that power back. He was going to run. He was going to run you right over. He's going to put your ass in the ground. Um, And he did that from he, he, he did that a lot <laughs> and uh you know i think he could do it again this year and i think he's going to add a little bit of a quickness aspect to it as well so um look out look out for that chippewa running game it's going to be man I'm, I'm i'm actually really excited to see how this offense plays out because it, it could be one of the best offenses we see um in seem in you know in recent CMU memory, and I mean we're even talking about you know with Cooper Rush at quarterback, with mm-hmm. Shane Morris at quarterback, so it, it it could be really it could be really exciting to watch that Chippewa offense, and then defensively, I mean that def- most of the defensive line is still intact from last year. Uh, Troy Brown coming back at, at at linebacker, yeah, you lose Michael Oliver, but you still have Troy Brown. Secondary looks like it's. You know, I, I think I'd mentioned on here a couple weeks ago that I was a little bit leery of the secondary. <laughs> That's almost a rhyme, but um, I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, we were every a lot of people were concerned about CMU secondary last year. And the first couple of games, you could tell that, yeah, that's a young team. That's a young secondary but they got better as the, yeah. as the year went on. So man, I, what are your, what are your, some of your thoughts on, uh, on the defense? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the secondary, you know, the safety position. I think they're going to be pretty set with Devani Reed, Alonzo McCoy, Kresge, Willie Reed. Those guys, I think they're going to be pretty set. It's the corners and you nailed it. When you said last year, the first couple of games were certainly, a learning experience with, you know, you trot out there. And I think the day one starters were what Brandon Brown and Norman Anderson. And those two guys don't even play. Well, one of them doesn't even play quarter anymore. Um, obviously it took a little bit, but they were able to figure it out with um, that little trio of Darius Bracey, uh, Montre Braswell and Kyron McKinney Harper. And now two of those guys aren't there anymore. But the good news for them is they bring in two guys this year who might be just better. Um, and Richard Bowens, the third, and Brian Edwards. Now, Edwards, obviously, we've talked to Ed Nazium about the kind of the off the field problem he had. But as far as being on the field, that's a guy that McElwain wanted to go out and get when he came here. And so there's obviously potential. I think that. Edwards and and Bowens will be the day one starters. And I think that uh, both of them having power five experience is going to do numbers for this team. Um, You know, just, and so from a potential standpoint, you're looking at one of the best secondaries in the Mac. It's just a a matter of whether or not you can put it together um, and play 60 minutes of solid football and not get beat around. And then Deshaun McNary, who, didn't play great in the one game that he played last year, obviously in the bowl game, which nobody really played great in that game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out on the back half. As far as up front, plenty of guys to talk about, you know, Troy Harrison and, uh, you know, the D line with Laquan and although Laquan is going to play probably a little bit more. end, I think that's where he was at last year too. And then on the interior, you got Mo Diallo and Robbie Stewart. So again, a lot of guys, uh, to, to watch for if you're an opponent 
on that front four. And then linebackers, there's experience there. I mean, Chuck Jones played in every game, you know, as the backup middle linebacker to Michael Oliver. Shouldn't be too much of a hike there. Uh, Troy Brown, obviously, we talk about him all the time. And then George Douglas is a guy who started some games at the end of the year. So plenty of guys uh, on that defensive end that you really shouldn't be too worried about as far as, you know, are they going to take a step back? And then there's guys also that we haven't really heard of, you know. Um, is this the year, like a Justin Whiteside who redshirted last year, is this the year he comes out and makes a name for himself? Or Mundell Dingle, another guy from Detroit Cast Tech who didn't play last year. You know, maybe he comes out and turns it on this year. So just a lot of guys, you know, while there's so many returners, there's also a bunch of, you know, that freshman class from 2019 that, that didn't really peer their heads out. Now, you know, that maybe this is their time. C.J. Gildersleeve is another one at linebacker. So, again, just a lot of guys who are have proven what they can do, but at the same time, so many young guys that are eager to take the next step. And in a year where you've got a smaller roster, every single one of them might get the chance to play. Yeah, man. I, like you said, I think you nailed the hit the nail on the head. And by the way, very impressive uh, pull pull the day one starters of uh, Brandon Brown and Norman Anderson. I, I don't I don't know if you if you got notes. I have the bowl guide from last year's New Mexico Bowl right here. I don't got notes, bro. What I do have is a vivid recollection of you know standing in you know like in the sack during a torrential downpour last year. <laughs> And then being one of the first people in line. So I was in the front row for that game, the student section. I was in the front row. I remember it vividly. I remember it very well. I remember um, the guy from Albany threw his mouthpiece at the guy next to me, which I'm not going to name names, but um, he did. We were heckling him a little bit. I wasn't heckling him just because I was, you know, in my right state of mind. Um, I didn't do – I didn't participate in the tailgating festivities – because uh, I was doing some work before that I walked over in the rain. But, yeah, there were a bunch of people around me that maybe weren't uh, completely sober. They were mildly to moderately, maybe even severely intoxicated. And they were giving the Albany guys some problems. And the one guy from Albany just turned around and whipped his mouthpiece at him, which was – I mean, it was a nice throw. I'm not going to lie to you. But, yeah, that I remember that game very well. And I also remember uh, Chip – was having some fumbling problems that night, uh, which yeah. is kind of to be expected when it's rainy and stormy. But, yeah, you know, Brandon Brown, Norman Anderson. Brandon Brown's back, but he's kind of buried on the depth chart. We'll have to see where he goes. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he fits because Central's got a couple of defensive backs in uh, Dante Kent and Day Day Hill. I guess he goes by Day Day Hill, uh, but it was Damon Hill. Um, and he uh, – both of those guys are freshmen who were pretty highly recruited – and, um, you know, if you're Brandon Brown, kind of your back's against the wall here because if you don't beat out this freshman, then you're kind of buried. And every, every, obviously everybody wants to see what they have in a freshman. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to get back up on that depth chart. I think the top three in, um, in Bowens, Edwards, and McNary are pretty set. And then Bracey with that kind of group. Uh, but then after that, it's all wide open. And so we'll have to see what guys like Brandon Brown can can do to kind of get their head back above water in terms of that defensive back rotation. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be pretty interesting to, to see just how that defensive back rotation kind of works out. Cause I mean, like you said, I mean, there's going to be a handful of guys vying for just a couple of, of spots. So yeah, just that, that, that dynamic, I think that's going to be pretty interesting. I don't think they're quite as the defensive backs are quite as deep as right. the quarterbacks, you know, in, in comparison, um, obviously, you know, there's two spots versus the one, whatever knife me on Twitter. Fine. That's fine. Just, just don't, just don't, don't call me an idiot on Twitter. I, that's all I ask. Okay. Um, but like you said, this could, I think this could be even more, even a more balanced team than it was last year. Yep in terms of that offensive production and defensive, I guess, production, if you will. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to, how that's going to play out. Um, <laughs> I remember that. I, I remember that Albany game pretty vividly as well in the press box, not, not, not knowing when, when the thing was going to kick off. Cause Nope. Another lightning strike. Oh, yep. all right, cool. Let's just 
hold off for a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, as somebody that I, I, I know, and it might be the same person that, that you're talking about, um, was t- actually just, just yesterday telling me about uh, that, that Albany game that um, this person was um, in that state of intoxication. And um, I don't know if, if this person was the one doing the chirping at, at the Albany player, but it sounds like that might be the only good throw Albany made that entire game. So, <laughs> um, and that's not true. Albany actually played, held its own pretty, pretty decently in that game. Um, made it a little bit closer than I thought it was going to be, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, 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 I've, I think I've asked each player and all the coaches that we've talked to this, this one question. I want to ask you this question. What are you most looking forward to this football season? And I don't like, if you want to actually talk about the on the field play, go ahead. I don't think anyone else has, Um, but yeah, if you, you know, if that's, if that's the route you want to go fine, if you want to go a different route, but what are you most looking forward to this football season? Obviously short, but. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see just how intense these games are. I'm I'm interested to see if maybe things get a little bit more chirpy. Like if you go to the the CMU Western game in a couple weeks, um, maybe do the do the players get after each other a little bit more? Do things get chippy quicker? Just because of the urgency that comes with this shortened six game season, I think that you know everybody's going to be on edge. You know, you're going to see coaches probably. You're you're probably going to see headsets get thrown. You're going to see frustration. You're going to see intensity. You're going to see things kind of boiling over just because, you know, one loss can do you in. It's not like regular seasons where, you know, if you're in the MAC, you get that four-game non-conference cushion where you can figure out what you've got in your team. Now it's just six games, and if you lose one, you might be out. So, um, obviously, I think the crossover game gives you a little bit, but at the same time, man, it's all or nothing. From the jump, it's six games. You're playing for the title every single snap. So, the intensity these games are going to play. And I personally, I love competition. I love seeing guys get fired up. I, I mean, you know me, Chastain. I love seeing guys get excited. I love seeing, you know, people going crazy. And so for me, this is like paradise because you're going to get to see guys going after each other. You're going to get to see everybody bringing their best on every single snap. The intensity that's going to come with this six-game season is going to be like unlike any other. And for that reason, man, I am super excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I think I think I mean, I think I think these games will get really aggressive really quick. And, you know, maybe it might even get more aggressive without the fans there. I think the road teams have a little bit less of a disadvantage. I mean, I mean, you know, that that home field advantage we talk about and in in the Mac for the most part, it exists, but not, not as big as, as it does in the power five. Um, but just the lack of, I guess, hostility that, I mean, you and I saw it at the, at the Western game last year. I mean, that was a hostile crowd. And yeah, man, you I lived it. I was just going to say, you know, that better than I do, but I mean, it was that was a damn good crowd over there in Waldo Stadium. Oh, yeah. oh and you're not gonna have that this year. There's no student nope. section there's no student section to 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 raise your coach. There's no student section to make fun of the players, no inebriated students chirping at, at opposing players. You just don't have that, and you're not going to have that. Um but yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm really excited, as you said, to just see how much fire these guys come out with. Because yeah. I mean, you know, back, you know, in August it was, you guys aren't going to play, sorry. And then you see some other conferences go out and play. Just a couple of weeks later, you see, um, you know, the Big Ten say, "Yep, we're going to do it. We're we're you know." We postponed, but now we're going to go go play, and they're going to start. Well, actually, they start tonight. Wisconsin and Illinois plays Friday night. Um, 
the Big Ten, you know, obviously is going to – the rest of the Big Ten starts on, on that on, – on Saturday. I think these guys are going to come out with a fire under their ass. They're going to be ready to go. It's going to be really intense football, and and yeah, like like you said, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see just how how it plays out, man. I'm yep. I don't know. Um, you know, obviously with safety measures in mind and and whatnot, but I'm hoping that we're still going to be able to make our way down to a couple of these these road games because yeah, the the road trips. That's that's yes, that's sir. one thing that I'm most looking forward to. I mean, yes. you, you and I hopped in hopped in my hopped in my car that was obnoxiously loud. Um, drove drove that thing all the way down to Ohio, yes, into sir. Cleveland, and then I made our way back home. But it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's mm-hmm. man, it's going to be fun. Do you have anything else on football? a quick quick hit on another sport that i want to touch on if you don't have anything else nah, uh, man. on football you good yeah all right i mean it seems like kind of a lame segue but um news came out what uh yesterday wednesday yes yes wednesday. Uh, i think it was no it was thursday it was thursday it was it was yes yeah okay yep, yesterday and thursday that um the cmu men's basketball team will actually Open the max season December 22nd at Western Michigan. Now, the only reason I'm bringing this up, well, okay, damn it. There's two reasons I'm bringing this up. One is, okay, that's the Western game. That's, yep. That's, you know, it's a Western road game. Um, Oh my God. There's now there's just more reasons hatching in my head. So reason one, it's the Western game. Reason two, it's the Mac opener. Um, reason three, the Chippewas and Broncos. So how, how the schedule usually works is that they will flip flop. So like the first matchup this year was supposed to be in McGurk arena. And then the second matchup in March was supposed to be. in. um, Reed Fieldhouse, right? At University Arena, whatever you want to call it. So it kind of changes the, the, the dynamic of the schedule a little bit. Um, that that So now Western technically is going to have, um, you know, it, it, the schedule is going to play out like it did last year where Western played at WMU first and then, and then Central hosted in March. Um, but I guess the, the biggest reason that I'm bringing this up is that we might be hearing of a schedule soon. We're closing in on about a month until the basketball season is technically al- allowed to start. Mm-hmm. November 25th is laid out by the NCAA. I mean, it seems kind of whatever. It's just one game, but it's not just one game. It's kind of one of the bigger games. What are some of just – some of your thoughts on it as we figure yeah. things out. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see what that non-conference schedule, if there is a non-conference schedule, what it looks like. Um, as far as, you know, you mentioned that the season's supposed to start in about a month, but you know, I'm taking a look at the, the conference schedule, what it was supposed to look like. Um, the men weren't supposed to open the conference season until January 2nd. So you're moving that up quite a ways, you know, before Christmas, which signals to me that that non-conference schedule is going to be a lot smaller than we initially anticipated. So you've got, what, about a month between the start of the season and the start of conference season. That's about four weeks, which means eight games max. You know, two games – if you're playing two games a week, which you don't always do in the non-conference. So – um, I wouldn't. I would also not be surprised to see if these, if Central's men's and women's team decide to do a uh, what's called a multi-team event, which is essentially just a, um, you know, like a preseason conference tournament, except it's held at a, at one of the schools. Uh, I know Louisville just put together one with like eight or nine teams, and Kentucky's got one with three or four teams, and it's just 
basically you come here, you stay two weeks and you play like everyone here, or you play maybe three or four games. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see central join up with one of the schools, maybe locally. I mean, you're not going to get both Michigan and Michigan state in the same one, just because those two teams won't play each other, but maybe you go to the Breslin and you link up with, Oh geez. Uh, to- no, you wouldn't go Toledo cause that's conference, but like, like a Cleveland state, you know, other mid-major type schools. Um, so don't be surprised. And don't be surprised if Central's women's team gets in with some ballers because they were supposed to go to the Bahamas in a um, in a field that was just absolutely loaded, man. You're talking Oregon, South Carolina, Syracuse. I mean, these are some of the best teams in the country. And Central Michigan's women's basketball team is going to go, you know, knock heads for a week with those with that team over Thanksgiving. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But don't be surprised if you see Central Michigan linking up with some of these schools. And you won't make – obviously, it probably won't be uh, an Oregon or a South Carolina because of the travel restrictions. But, you know, you take a look. Maybe in Ohio State isn't out of the question. You know, maybe Indiana or Northwestern or one of those schools. Just It's not out of the question to see Central go in and get in with these big ballers and show – the world what they can do because we both know that's what Heather Osterley wants to do. She wants to load her non-conference with, with big schools like that big, you know, some of the best mid majors in the country, like she did with green Bay last year and South Dakota state and those teams, man, you know, she wants that challenge. As far as the men's side, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if Keno Davis even knows what he's got in his team because of, you know, how limited the workouts have been and yet seven newcomers coming in, man, there's just not a whole lot of continuity with the team last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. I'm really, really excited to see what happens in basketball, not just from a, from an encore standpoint, but also what it's going to look like. Are there going to be fans in the stands? Probably not, but um, yeah, it'll be see, it'll be interesting to see how this thing all unfolds. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I mean, I saw, I think I saw some, some, something somewhere that there, there might, there might've been a chance that they were going to allow fans in McGurk arena, just a significantly fewer amount than the 5,300 that is listed at capacity. I mean, and, and let's, let's, let's face it here, man. I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily fill that arena every single night. And you know what? I mean, on a, on a Tuesday night, I don't blame you on a Saturday afternoon. I get it. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the fans one bit that that's that's not what i'm doing i'm not criticizing anybody i'm just stating a fact it's not full most basketball arenas aren't all right right outside of the power five most you know mid-major programs they don't fill their arenas every night so that's not a knock on anybody um but yeah i i am really interested to see what happens with especially the the women's the women's schedule because like you said, I mean, that, that schedule was absolutely loaded last year or it was supposed to be absolutely loaded. It was loaded last year. It was supposed to be just a, an absolute gauntlet, right, this year. So I, I, I am really anxious to see how that turns out and what happens with the schedule. Um, and, you know, like you said, I mean, you could go down and – play at Toledo and play against Cleveland state against Ohio state. I mean, hell you could even try to get, convince Michigan or Michigan state to come play, come play you. Or you could go to the Breslin or Chrysler arena and go and, and go play both of those teams. Why not? You have the ability. I mean, you, you should, I mean, they're in state. You could go play them both mm-hmm. or, you know, you could have a look, like a little Michigan tournament and just, you know, prevent, um, or Michigan showcase and, you know, bring, yes. you know, Eastern, Detroit, Western. Eastern, Western, Central, Detroit, Mercy, Oakland, uh, Michigan, Michigan state. Is there another one? There's gotta, there's, I mean, it's obviously gotta be even numbers, but, um, even, even so though, I think you just kind of match them up to where you, maybe each team plays three games and then that, that would really kind of work out, you know, in terms of what there's seven teams that you get each you got six to choose from. You take what you got two from the Big Ten, three from the MAC, and then two from, from the Horizon League. So you would play one squad from each, or no, right. it would be two. Squ- yeah. So, so you, you go get. Like, so what? You go you go over there and play two games. You play on a Tuesday night. You play on a Thursday night or a Friday yeah. night. Boom! You got you you got two games right there. Right. 
and against pretty stout competition. I mean, CMU played Oakland on the women's side last year in Detroit area. Um, you know, and you can, you can, you can, you can, you can work it out. I mean, there, there's a way to do it and there's a way to do it safely. It can be done and it, it probably will be done. Cause I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, the NCAA makes money. So yep. conferences want to make money, whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I, it's going to be interesting, man. It's, it's interesting to, to finally have college sports back here at CMU and my God, is it exciting? And yes, sir. My and again, my God, is it just it's so good? I mean, there's just there's. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people have some you know hesitation amid the pandemic, and rightfully so. I mean, I I get it, but at the same time, like mental health of the players, coaches, um, you know, some of the folks that that work in the departments. Mm-hmm. reporters that cover the teams i mean it's it's gonna be great so that's definitely a like a, a, a weight lifted off the shoulders if you will i think that just about covers everything man mm-hmm. um you got any any final thoughts as we wrap this thing up no sir all right fair enough well everybody thank you for listening or watching if you're here on youtube um, make sure you follow along with us. See, this is where I'm going to plug the socials, but follow, make sure you follow along with us at CM life on Twitter at CM life sports on Twitter. You can find Christian at C underscore on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Chastain AJ find us on Facebook at central Michigan life. And always, always, always make sure you are following along on CM hyphen life.com for not only coverage of all Chippewa sports, but coverage of central Michigan the community, Mount Pleasant, the community, everything going around on around here at Central Michigan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys again next time when we meet again. Stay safe, everybody.